yeah, we are here, and we are ready to go, New Hope Radio. Big thank you for joining me today. Oh, yeah, so important that we gather together, study God's Word, isn't it? Love doing that with you guys. That's why I want to remind you about the Hope Club podcast also. Oh, yeah, the podcast. New Hope Radio on demand anytime. Get that podcast. Go to newhopecc.tv. And uh, the podcasts are there. Just scroll down, man. We're there every day. We also have a YouTube channel, which is good to subscribe to. And then when we go on the radio, you'll get a notification. Boom, there we are. All the messages are there for your spiritual growth. Jesus had just brought the Jews to court, and they were found guilty. Oh, we're going to watch Jesus deal with these guys today. Oh, yeah. He's going to tell them something that either they didn't want to hear it or they didn't understand. I don't know. You figure out which one that is. Okay? So let's see what we got. Ready? We're in John chapter 8, and it opens up with a woman that they said was caught in adultery. And they brought her before Jesus to see what he would do about her. Because they knew what the law said. The law said, hey, we're going to stone this person. But wait a minute, where was the guy? Because you know, the law said stone both of them. But he wasn't there. And why do they do this? Why do they bring this woman before Jesus? You know why? To test him. That's why. They want her to test him. They're always testing Jesus. How would you like to go through life? People are always testing you. Everything you say... Everything you do, they question you, they put you under a magnifying glass, try to trip you up. Well, that's what they did with Jesus. Well, Jesus turned the tables on them, and he tested them. You know what he said? He said, okay, you say the law says to stone her, fine. He who's without sin, you cast the first stone. (laughs) You know what happened? They all turned and went away. They left. You know what? He convicted them. See, when Jesus speaks, right, he speaks to the conscience. He doesn't just speak to the ears. He speaks to the inner man, to the conscience. There's no denying the conscience, right? We all have one. Yeah, some work better than others. We know that. Some are seared. Some are like rocks and they don't work at all. Others are very serious, very sensitive, and they can feel the impressions of God. So now we're in John chapter 8, verse 12, and uh, Jesus substantiates who he is with a startling statement. This is where we're going today. Jesus again spoke to them. This very same people that brought that lady. A little while later, and he said to them, Listen, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, Jesus said this intentionally, and he said it in a very specific place. Everything about Jesus is very intentional, and very specific. It really is. 
Okay? Now, let's see where this took place. It took place in an area called the Court of the Women. This was outside the temple, and it was the middle court where women and men were allowed to gather, and that's where they brought the woman caught in adultery to the Court of the Women. And, uh, you know, it was like a gathering place outside the temple. The women couldn't go any closer, but the men could. Along that court were also offering boxes. And that's where the women could give their offerings. Remember that time when Jesus pointed out the widow who put the two small coins into the offering boxes? Well, that was there in the court of the women because women could go there. And he used her as an example of true giving where he said, remember, other people give out of their excess even though they give a lot, but she give out of her need. So she really gave more because she gave out of her need, not her surplus. So we're in this place, right? The court of the women. And it's here that Jesus desires to teach everybody. He's in this particular place because there's men and women there. He wants everybody to hear what he's got to say. It was a very busy place. The worshipers coming and going. It's a lot going on. Now, on the evening of the first day of the Festival of Booths, four great candles were lit, and they would light up the whole area. Oh, yeah, big candles. And they would add a lot of light, like big giant street lights. Only they were candles. And it was with this backdrop in the court of the women with the big candles burning, probably in the evening. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, you see those candles? That's the light of the area, but I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Oh, not the light of the street, the light of life. That's so much better. Jesus gave them a picture of what he would do in their hearts. Light them up. Remember, he speaks to the conscience. He lights up the heart. That's why people that are truly born again, you know. You know how good it is. Those that are not, they don't know. They don't even know what they're missing. So, of course, the Pharisees, you know, they challenged him, as usual. They always did. And in verse 13, the Pharisees said to him, You're testifying about yourself. In other words, you're talking about you. Your testimony's not true. And Jesus answered them and he said, Hey, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from. And I know where I'm going. You know, Jesus had great confidence in himself. Who he was, what his mission was, where he came from, where he was going. We should have that same confidence. Do you know God as your father? Do you believe that you are going to him one day? Do you have the confidence as you walk through life every day that you belong to God and that God has a beautiful plan for your life and when it's all said and done, you'll be with him? Jesus had that confidence. He wants you to have that confidence as well. So Jesus said to them, But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Because <laughs> you guys don't know me. Even in your law, it's been written 
that the testimony of two men is true, right? That's what they said, that if two people agree to something, then the testimony is true. Well, Jesus said, okay, I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me, he testifies about me too. Now, how did the Father bear witness of Jesus? How did the Father testify of Jesus? You know how? At his baptism. Remember that? Matthew 3.16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, look at that. The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There was the Father's testimony. So Jesus says, Yeah, I'm testifying of myself, but my Father, he testified of me too. Then there was also the testimony of other people. How about Nicodemus? Way back in John chapter 3, Nicodemus testified. He said, Rabbi, We know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So now we've got Jesus, we've got God the Father, and Nicodemus, all testifying about Christ coming from heaven. Then the disciples, oh yeah, John 16, his disciples said, Lo, now you are speaking plainly. You're not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. So now we've got the disciples. We've got Jesus. We've got God the Father. We've got Nicodemus. you got the disciples. We only need two, and we've got like 12 and 13, 14, 15. 14 if you don't count Judas. I don't know where his head was. I don't know if anybody knows where Judas's head was except Jesus himself. So in John 8, verse 19, they're still trying to know Jesus after the flesh. See, that's the thing. When people try to humanize Jesus, they miss who he is. They do. You don't know who he is. He's more than human. He's divine. He's human and divine. He's not half human and half divine. He's all human and all divine divine. So they're trying to know him after the flesh in his human standing. They were saying to him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father. And I think they were really trying to hurt him. They considered Jesus illegitimate because he was born before his parents were married and they had a low opinion of him. So these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. So remember we're outside the court, the offering boxes are there, big candles are burning, everybody's around, big crowd at night. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I can light up your heart. But these Pharisees, man, they didn't get it. They didn't want to get it. But yet, no one seized him. You know why? His hour had not yet come. (laughs) You can't do to Jesus what God the Father is not 
allowing to be done. Ain't going to happen. God has a timetable. God has a plan. And no one's going to mess that up, believe me. They're not going to do it. They're not going to get in the way. You can't outsmart God. A lot of people in the world, they think they're smarter than God. Like, no, they're not. (laughs) Oh, even the Apostle Paul said, the wisdom of the world is foolish to God. It's like, what? Where's the wise? Where's the noble? Where's the strong? Where are they? In comparison to God, they know nothing. So let's go back. Jesus is speaking out. Listen, he's saying, everybody, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Life. Isn't that what we're living? Life. What does it mean Jesus is the light of the world? Light means spiritual truth. Illumination. Yeah, like natural light is what we see by. Illumination is what we see life by. But this light is not very official, it's not very beneficial unless one walks in it. Right? If you don't walk in the light, it's not going to help you. Just like if there's light, let's say it walking down a dark sidewalk and it's nighttime and there's a street light, but if you don't walk under the street light, that light's not going to help you. You're on the other side in the darkness. That's not going to help. You got to walk where the light is. And Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world. Now, if you walk with me and where I am, you'll have light and you'll see and you'll see where you are going. He said, he who follows me will not walk in the darkness. See, you can't be in the light and the darkness at the same time. Yeah, it's one or the other. You can't be hot and cold at the same time. Lost or found at the same time. So, it's like, you know, okay, am I in the light or am I in the darkness? Which one? Which one do I walk by? Do I walk by the light of Christ or do I walk by the darkness of the world? Isn't it interesting? You know what the world needs? The world needs Christ. The world needs the light of Christ. And the very thing that the world needs is what it rejects. (laughs) It attacks It attacks Christ. And yet that's what it needs. You know, shut down the churches. Stop the preaching. Don't allow the gathering. You can preach certain things from the Bible, but not other things from the Bible. If you preach these things, that's called hate speech. So you can't preach against sin because that's hate speech. That's the darkness talking. And people can get around in the darkness, but not that good. Not that good. But when somebody turns on the light, click. Oh, wow. What a difference. In the millennial kingdom, we're all going to walk in the light because Jesus will be on the throne. Yeah, he'll be there. He'll be ruling. It'll be beautiful. We'll all be on the same page for the most part. 
Now, so Jesus said, He who follows me will not walk in the darkness. Now, there are various meanings to the word follow. Okay, we can we can have different understandings regarding that. For instance, a soldier following the orders of his captain. He's following, right? Captain says, take that hill. The soldiers, take that hill. All right. It's also used of a slave accompanying his master. Back in the first century, right? Right. Let's say the master is going to go downtown shopping. And he brings a slave. And the slave follows him downtown. And they do some, they buy some hay, or they buy some grain, or they buy some vegetables and take them back, right? Follow also means accepting wise counsel. That's a good one. Accepting wise counsel. In other words, follow what I say, right? Here's the counsel. Now, will you follow that good advice, right? I could, I could even call it following instructions on a box. Men don't like to do that. But that's following. Follow also means obedience to the law of a city or a state. Right? They say you, you follow the law. Follow the speed limit sign. Right? The speed limit 65, you go 65. Right? If it's 120, you go 120. I don't know where it is. I'd like to find that one. <laughs> so you follow the laws. You drive on the right side of the street, not the left side of the street. You go to England, you drive on the left side, not the right side. You follow the law. Okay, that's following. It also means following a teacher's line of argument. Okay? A teacher is teaching a particular argument, and the students, when they follow that, well, they're following. That's what's happening in our educational system today. Instead of teaching, they're kind of like proselyting. They're giving their personal philosophy, but they're not teaching. That's not good. No good. It's not working out. Okay. Now, to be a follower of Christ, what does that mean then? Oh, that's to go even deeper, even more than all those things that I just mentioned. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Because I think some people think... They're following it. I don't know. Maybe they're not. I don't know. To be a follower of Christ is to give oneself to Christ in body, soul, and spirit. And to walk in his understanding. That's what it means to follow Christ. You give yourself in body. You know, did you know that your physical the physical aspect of who you are plays a very big part in your Christian life. It's not just the mind. You know, even God, even the Bible says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and what? Strength. Strength. That's the physical aspect of who you are. Paul said, present yourselves, present your bodies, a living sacrifice. Don't separate your body from your Christian walk. You get it. It's all one. You know, you love God with all every part of you, not half of you, but not the other half. It's all of you. So you give yourself in body. You give yourself in soul. It's your innermost being to God. You give yourself in spirit. 
You know, every part of who we are, when it's given over to God, that's following Christ. And then we learn his ways, and what do we do? We walk in his ways. That's what we do. And when we walk in his ways that way, you know where we are? In the light. And Jesus said it. He said, then you will not walk in darkness. What is darkness? Ignorance of divine things. That's darkness. Ignorance of divine things. Ignorance of the ways of God. (laughs) Most of the world is living that way. Ignorance of the ways of God. No good. It's not good. It's going to mess everything up. One person said, everybody is a fool for at least five minutes a day. Wisdom consists of not exceeding the limit. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, we all are foolish. But man, don't go overboard. Don't go overboard with your foolishness. The fool is said in his heart. There is no God. Look at the fool's birthday coming up pretty soon, April 1st. The fool says there's no God. That's a fool talking. Because there obviously is a God. And if you don't see the obviousness of God, it's because the darkness that you're in is so thick and so deep that you can't see through it. That's why when you walk in darkness without Christ, you are bound to stumble. That's what happens when you walk in the dark, right? You stumble. What does it mean to stumble? What does that mean? Think the wrong thing. You know, you think the wrong thing enough, you can have a troubled life. To stumble means to, okay, say the wrong thing. Now I'm going to ramp it up a level. And I say the wrong thing. Did you ever say something and then say, oh, I wish I didn't say that? I have. Sometimes you wish you can take it back, but you can't. You know, words are like feathers on a doorstep. Once they're there, you can't get them back. Wind blows them away. They're gone forever. So to stumble, I, I, I think the wrong thing, I say the wrong thing, and then the, the, the next level, oh, I do the wrong thing. Now it's an action. Did you ever do something you wish you could take back? I did. Oh, yeah, many of those. I got a lot of them. Wish I could take back. You know? And then what's the end result? The end result when you get to that place, you know what it is? Regret. Regret. You become like Frank Sinatra. Regrets, I've had a few. Yeah. You might have more than a few. So, again, you can avoid all that. You can avoid it all. How do you do that? The light. The light is there. Walk in the light. Can you see it? Can you see the light? Can you get over there? And can you walk in the light? Because you don't like regret. I mean, if you like regret, okay. Stay in the darkness and you'll have all the, all the regret you can handle. You like problems? All right. Walk in the darkness. You'll have more problems than you can deal with. Walk in the darkness. But wait. You like peace? Do you like joy? Do you like fulfillment? Okay. Follow Christ. That's it. Follow Christ. Just follow Jesus. When you follow Christ, you walk 
in the light and you can see where you're going and you will not stumble. See, the whole history of Israel had been designed so that the Jews should recognize the Son of God when he came. That was the whole point. God raised up Israel to bring the Messiah. And when the Messiah came, they'd say, there he is, let's go. But they had become so involved with their own ideas. They had become, oh wow, blind to God. Blind to God. They had a relationship with God, so they thought, but they couldn't see him. And they didn't know him. Oh, that we would not make that same mistake and substitute God's ideas with our own. Don't make that mistake. Because if you substitute God's ideas with yours, you'll never know God. We'll never know Him. That's why there's a, there's a, um, a humbling. A humbling. We have to Lay aside what we know. What does it mean to be humble? To be taught. Are you, are you teachable? Are you willing to learn? The other day we had a message. Jesus is the teacher, but are you willing to learn? You can have the best teacher in the world, but if your pride is so strong that you refuse to receive, well, that's, you know, not going to help. Nothing good will come from that. Nothing at all. So, you know, there's, there's always this aspect of humility lay aside the opinions lay aside the preconceived notions lay aside the pride say Lord I am willing I want to know the truth I am willing teach me and Jesus says come on over here we're gonna walk in the light and as we walk in the light truth is going to be revealed to you and you know what that truth is gonna do that truth is going to make you happy. And you know why it's going to make you happy? Because you're going to be free. Want to be free? <laughs> oh, yeah. Who doesn't want to be free? Want to be free from guilt, shame, regret, all the bad stuff that happens. Want to be free in Christ. Hey, thank you for coming along today and all week long. Don't forget the Hope Club podcast. Go to newhoperadio.cc. Scroll down, the podcasts are there. Don't forget about our YouTube channel, New Hope Radio on YouTube. All the messages are there. They are. So thank you for coming along. We'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.